Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. We have entered the next era of Stranger Things because they posted a picture of the Stranger Things logo with a five in it. (gasps) A five? (laughs) A five. (laughs) People lost their minds, kind of us included a little little bit. bit Over like like nothing. logo reveal it was like what logo <laughs> it's the same logo it's been the same with logo. a new number yep no but like all jokes aside it was a pretty exciting moment because it feels like real it was and we found out there's going to be a new member of the cast and that is linda hamilton who will be joining the cast and linda hamilton is famous for playing sarah connor in the terminator series hmm so feels applicable yes yeah we've got the terminator here in in this in this uh season and we'll be getting another leading character linda hamilton so yeah we're gonna talk about chapter four of season three the sauna test the sauna test this chapter was written by sean levy and it was directed by the dbs and kate kate just kate we're on a first name basis now she's written enough she yeah for real yeah cool and it aired with the rest of season three on july 4th 2019 almost four years ago wow right yeah and here is the summary straight from netflix who still is not paying their writers that's right a code red brings the gang back together to face a frighteningly familiar evil Karen urges Nancy to keep digging, and Robin finds a useful map. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is just, like, really season two-ing right now between, like, the digging and the map. Oh, yeah. But no right? holes. No holes. Although we don't know what Nancy's digging. That's true. Could be digging holes. Could be holes. <laughs> you never know when you're going to dig a hole. <laughs> Let's do some quick fast facts before Amanda takes us through our scene by scene. So apparently, Dacre Montgomery was smeared with clear lip gloss to make him look hot and sweaty for the scenes shot in the sauna. So gross. Could you imagine? So sticky. I can't even deal with lip gloss on my lips where they're supposed to be. I just, lip gloss had a time Mm -hmm. and that time has come and gone. I mean, it's come back. Lip gloss I know. Is, is kind of in again, and I don't, I don't really get it. I'll just stick with lip balm. I like lip balm, right? It gives you that glossiness with like no stickiness. Yeah, and like sometimes I remember there was this one lip gloss that was just like ultra plumping, and it made your lips tingle. Yes, yeah, that's still out there, and it feels dangerous. You know the little like wands that come in the lip gloss. Yeah, 
You think they used that to to cover Dacre? <laughs> right. Like, how did they get the lip gloss out? Because <laughs> a big lip gloss jug. I'm just imagining like the, with the squeezy tubes of lip gloss, just like squeezing mm. it out all over. Him. <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> um. Speaking of the sauna scene. Apparently, it required three months of storyboarding and stunt choreography before it could be shot. Only one part of the scene actually required a stunt double, and it was when Billy is being pinned against the wall with the barbell. Hmm. Everything else was Dacre and Millie, and it says on the wiki that Millie's collapse into Finn's arms was from legitimate exhaustion. I know. And it's funny that there's this whole thing about storyboarding and stunt choreography because, and I know this is like an editing issue, but I found like an awkward continuity error in this scene. Interesting. Yeah. It's just stupid. I'll mention it when we get there. Okay. And lastly, this is the only chapter of season three where we don't see the Terminator. But he'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Will you be here all week? I will. Okay. Right here. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, so let's get into our scene by scene breakdown. It is raining cats and dogs, let me tell you. As Eleven brushes her teeth at Max's house, Elle has some pretty upsetting visions of her encounters with Billy and Heather, but Max assures her that everything is okay, instead, insisting that they snuggle up to read a comic book. Still puzzled, Elle claims it doesn't make sense. Heather, the blood, the ice. Max, ever the rationalist, says that Heather just had a fever, so she took a cold bath and is better now. But what about Billy? He seemed wrong. Eh, wrong is kind of his default. Elle smiles and asks Max who Wonder Woman is. The two get cozy and settle into their comic. Isn't it weird to see Elle doing something like as normal as brushing her teeth? <laughs> it, yeah, right? It kind of is. <laughs> it's just like, it's like you know, she's just brushing her teeth. I, she's not like doing anything fantastic guess she has to do that too yeah yes everybody has to brush their teeth yes unless they don't have teeth fair i i did a quick little google of wonder mm. woman because admittedly nice. i don't i don't know a lot about yeah, really any, same. anything having to do with comics so i found a quote right towards the top of miss woman's wikipedia article miss woman yes first name wonder last name woman And I thought this quote was really interesting. Okay. This character has changed in depiction over the decades, including briefly losing her powers entirely in the late 1960s. Yes, it sounds like we found the exact same article. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so cool. Yeah, that like, obviously that was intentional for sure. Absolutely. And there's also like the simple fact that she has a civilian identity yeah um diana prince Mm -hmm. and then she has her superhero identity kind of like how Elle has jane hopper as her civilian identity yes definitely some some wonder woman 11 parallels happening i love that i know it's really cool there was also if i remember correctly a part about how at one point in her lore i suppose she was manipulated to have false memories Mm. where her she was being fed like a different version of her life story and she believed that up until she finally came to realize that that was actually not her actual memories wow which really just reminded me of season four l too yeah 
yeah that's pretty cool it is pretty cool one other thing i wanted to point out before we move on in max's room there's a poster next to her bed for a movie called the endless summer and it is a 1966 documentary about surfing people probably are like in indiana like fuck is surfing what is that (laughs) (laughs) well i thought the movie was really interesting because a lot of it did take place in california which makes sense as to why max would be into it but the movie was called the endless summer because the documentary makers traveled around the world to surf in different locations where it was always summer oh that's so cool yeah right that's really cool and i feel like it's fun because the season is also happening in the summer yes too. it's our first summer season so it's pretty cool it is the song that this that is playing as they're having this conversation is happy screams <laughs> off the season three score <laughs> happy screams happy screams <laughs> our fertilizer eating grandma is at it again screaming about how she has to go back as some paramedics <laughs> strap her to a gurney nancy and jonathan look on in horror and Callahan demands to know what in the name of Jesus just happened in there. <laughs> His voice cracks when he says that. <laughs> He's just horrified. As the ambulance races to the hospital and passes Brimborn Steelworks, Mrs. Driscoll reaches out fervently. Jonathan in this scene looks more annoyed yes. than concerned. Yes. He's like, can I just have like one normal month? <laughs> right. Is that is that a possibility to just have a normal month? Yeah. No, apparently not for poor Jonathan. No, he's not entitled to that. No. Yeah, um, I just thought Callahan and Jonathan in this scene were both very funny to watch. Like, Callahan's mm-hmm. like, he's got his hands on his head and he's like, oh, <laughs> so freaked out. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought they Shouldn't were. Shouldn't he be used to it, though? Right? Like, weird shit keeps happening in this town and no one mm-hmm. but, but our, our characters seem to notice. Stranger things just keep happening. Yeah. Stranger and stranger stranger and stranger yeah him saying that though about like what in the name of jesus whatever just happened here reminds me of when professor mcgonagall has ron harry and hermione in her office in that one movie and she's like why is it always you three yes like (laughs) like that's what jonathan and like he's thinking about him and nancy right now yes like you fucking two again yeah you two (laughs) well speaking of brimborn steelworks Tom and Janet Holloway awaken tied up in the basement of the mill. Heather and Billy ungag them, and Heather eerily approaches them. I'm not saying that. (laughs) Hi, Daddy. Yikes. (laughs) There's very little, very little I won't say on this show. That's one of them. You're not going to say hi, Daddy? No. (laughs) No, I'm not. You'll say something about mommies in relation to Billy, but you won't say hi, Daddy. (laughs) correct that's what she says yeah it is (laughs) she can keep saying it i'm not (laughs) tom pleads with his daughter that she doesn't have to do this but heather tells her father that there's no stopping it billy or the mind flayer or vecna or henry or one or i don't know whoever's in there tells them not to move (laughs) they leave as the mind flayer now in his most beautiful meatiest monstriest form (laughs) Attaches his tendrils to the Holloway's faces, seemingly sucking out their insides. <laughs> I love how you did the like the onomatopoeia, like yeah. you physically slurp. Yeah, Marina and wrote in, slurp, and I just did it. <laughs> in my brain, I was like slurpy slurp slurp. 
and I decided to make everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> Hi, Daddy. <laughs> wow, this is this is it, this. I'm, I'm going to make an office reference here. If any of you out there have ever seen the dinner party episode, which is widely regarded as just the cringiest, there's a part when Jim says that Jen and Michael seem to be playing a separate game. Who can make everyone the most uncomfortable? And they are both winning. <laughs> That's us. Yeah, you're. Yeah, and you're. Ping, and I'm. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough. Put an end to it. Yikes. So what, like, what is like, what is he doing? Who the mind fl- or yeah, like the meat monster? What, oh, what, the meat monster. Yeah, like physically, what is he doing? He's sucking. I see that. I genuinely don't know what he's doing. How does Tom go to work the next day? Right? This seems like a traumatic event. But also, like, what did he remove? Like, is he without now an esophagus, a stomach? Like, what did he, what did the mind flayer suck out of them? Like, their last meal? Pumping something in. Perhaps we should go back and watch the slurping direction and see if it's more of a pump in or or a. What is wrong with us? Okay. They open the door for this type of conversation. I know. It's 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 a little weird and there's there's some sucking and slurping going on. And pumping. And pumping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say it again. Wow. Wow. What a scene. <laughs> to, to what a scene. To make matters worse though, what was the point of Heather removing Tom's gag? Like was it just to have a conversation a few last words like why not just leave oh i guess to the pumping yeah so they yeah because they removed janet's gag too you're right and with with the they yes and billy removed heathers yeah okay okay do we feel bad for the holloways i feel bad for janet okay she didn't she she didn't have anything to she, she didn't do anything wrong that's fair yeah i know that tom is a piece of shit but you know me i always like you sympathize. Feel bad for everyone. Yeah. I just, to me, it feels like this is, I'm going to say it, a theme. Because it's like, are there things that nobody deserves? Yeah. You know? Like, I even think of Billy. Did, did he deserve what happened to him? No. Yeah. No. What does it mean to deserve something? Like, I don't know. I struggle with this. It's just, it feels like these two, nobody deserves this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, Tom is the worst, but, like... He is. Maybe he deserves to be, like, beat up, but maybe not flayed. Right. (laughs) Or, like, whatever is happening. Yeah. And I just want to be clear. The monster is made of rats at this point. (laughs) That's what this is. Yes. Okay. I think it's just rats. Just just rats. (laughs) (laughs) It's the meatiest monster, and he is just rats. Just rats. (laughs) He's so small still. I know, he's still a little baby. He's like a compact version of himself. But when Tom sees... he's like... He's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. I would react the same way. <laughs> like, please, what is this? It's a work... He's a work of art. He is. I actually, like, had the thought that it's kind of bizarre that these people get a few moments of sentience with their normal brain. Mm. Be- and their eyes open still. Yeah, and, like, being clued into what is going on but like moments before their memory is basically wiped and they become played. right what's even the point right like just why loop them in at all or why why let them wake up why didn't they just leave them unconscious and 
take their gags off yeah i don't know there's like a lot of that i feel like that goes on in this chapter between billy and tom and we will talk about it because i i very much like see what you're saying with that yeah and i think it goes further than just why why let them wake up yeah well hopper awakens in his cabin after his and joyce's encounter with gregory in the lab he pukes into a pot and joyce gives him meds after asking how long he's been out, Hopper abruptly stands up, insisting that he's fine, but the sheet covering almost falls to the floor. Joyce, who isn't keen on seeing Hop's peen. <laughs> what a fun little rhyme you wrote. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. She averts her eyes. <laughs> the two theorize about the Terminator's origins and motive, and Joyce reveals that she wrote down the man's license plate, but only half of it is accurate. The two go back and forth about the inefficiency of government offices until Joyce reveals that Grigori wasn't driving a car at all, but a motorcycle. She doesn't even actually reveal that. She doesn't. She just said he wasn't driving a car, but she never specifies that it's a motorcycle. Oh, does she really doesn't? No. Oh, wow. Weird. I never even noticed that. I just took creative liberty here and put that in there so we weren't confused. Okay. I think we hear the ceiling is beautiful. Yeah. We do. Yeah. We do hear it. I like that that's just like the soundtrack of being like uh, uh, like on drugs. I- <laughs> on drugs. Knocked out. Semi-conscious. On drugs. Yes. Yeah. 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 Speaking of semi-consciousness, I think Hopper asks a really valid question. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> How did he get there? She just says slowly. <laughs> because the Duffer brothers didn't want to answer the question. Yeah. So Joyce says slowly. Yeah, because they knew that would be a question because Joyce is, oh, I don't know, 105 pounds soaking wet and like five feet tall. Yeah. And Hopper's like neither of those things. No, he is very much neither of those things. (laughs) Like, did she, I assume she drove his truck. Yeah, she must have. But was he conscious enough to get himself into the truck? Is the tripwire still installed? How did she get him over the tripwire? Great questions. Keep them coming. <laughs> also, wouldn't she have been the one to undress him in the first place? So wouldn't she already have seen him naked? Unless he was like, we're, we're to assume he was conscious enough to strip down and he just doesn't remember it. I don't know. Okay, but regardless, where was Joyce when he was stripping down? How did he get on the couch without Joyce seeing him naked? All valid questions. All valid questions. Why didn't she just let him keep his underwear on? Another valid question. Another valid question. Because there's no way. Like, I see she... Like, I actually just realized in this watch through that she she washed his clothes. They're all out drying on the porch. Well, that's because they were soaking wet because of the storm. Oh, because of the storm. I thought it was blood. I thought when she said they were soaked, it, she meant blood, so she washed them. No, I think uh, it's because it was pouring. That makes more sense. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Maybe his undies were soaked, too. Maybe they soaked all the way through to his undies. It's possible. I've been in rain Hi, that day. Like, that's that's happened to me before. Where you just, That's gross. Yeah, it's awful. It's the worst feeling. <laughs> uh. Uh, okay. Back at the Mayfields, Max ignores Lucas's code red radio calls until Mike calls her house phone and tells her to meet them at his place because their very lives could be at stake. What else is new? Lucas tries to contact Dustin again to no avail as Will looks on nervously. 
again, what else is new? <laughs> Will looking on nervously for Poor the last kid. three years. <laughs> Just nervous kid. <laughs> he's going to have really bad lines in his forehead because he's always so nervous. Yeah, he's going to get the little 11 right here in the middle. The 11. Oh, 11. Huh. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, though, this is very annoying. Like, if I was Max, and I would be like, I am trying to sleep in after the day that I had yesterday where I had to chase down a lifeguard who was potentially, f- like, I would be pissed. Right? Be like, you don't even know what we went through yesterday, and also, we're still mad at you guys. Yeah, let us sleep. Yeah. But I I feel like maybe they should have put Will on the phone. Why Mike? great point why Mike? like why wouldn't they pick the one neutral party here also the party who whose sound of the alarm would probably have the yes. most credibility right because like even max hearing it from mike like her first thought might have been like oh, okay he's just trying to get Elle's attention you know like they're, yeah. they're trying to trick us to come over there why wouldn't they put will on the phone that's such a good question i don't know yeah. maybe will doesn't like to make phone calls after you know that's fair you know <laughs> his, his incidents his with traumatic phones. history with phones <laughs> oh man just a quick little score thing code red is playing apt yes apt <laughs> well speaking of code reds dustin isn't answering any of them because he's too busy staking out links transportations covert operations from the roof of starcourt mall as Steve and Robin discuss how they're going to get into the storeroom, Steve insists he could sneak strike the Russian guard. Dustin reminds them of the massive guns, and he teases Steve about how he has never won a fight. Jonathan beat the shit out of him in case he forgot. All of a sudden, Robin gets an idea, grabs all of the cash from the tip jar, demanding that Steve actually do their job and sling ice cream before running off. I am once again asking, who owns this establishment? Nobody. There's no manager. It's a co-op. Who is, who is the manager? <laughs> Dustin. Co-op. Yeah. Erica. It's a, it's a work share. You just show up when you feel like it. <laughs> like Robin barking orders at Steve and then stealing all of the money from the tip jar and then leaving. Like, who is the supervisor here? I'm going to do that at my job. I'm going to start barking orders at yeah. the other people who work there, steal their money, and yes. go leave. We don't have tip jars, but I'll just take their money. Exactly. Direct deposit. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's she's kind of the only smart one here, though, who's just, like, ignoring their stupid bickering and actually coming up with a plan. I know, and that, that like, persists, Yeah, I feel like, throughout this chapter, because Dustin and Steve are just butting heads this entire mm-hmm. time. Yes. This entire chapter. They really are. I also never realized what led to her epiphany about the vent, and it was that she looks up and sees the vent yeah it's literally just her looking around (laughs) i was like oh she saw the vent (laughs) awful very cool just awful at the hawkins post an exceptionally angry and sweaty tom holloway berates nancy and jonathan for disobeying his orders and pursuing the doris driscoll story Tom gives them a firm talking to. Firm is is a generous way to put this. About Mm -hmm. trust and facts. And truthfully makes some valid points about their misconduct. They misidentified themselves as reporters and broke into an old woman's home. Not good, Jancy. Not good. To make matters worse, it turns out that Mrs. Driscoll suffers with paranoid schizophrenia. Because here on this podcast, we use people first language. 
Thanks. Under a threat <laughs> of a lawsuit from Mrs. Driscoll's family, Tom fires both Nancy and Jonathan. It's a lot. You ever get so mad that you just shake the whole scene? <laughs> <laughs> that rage, though. You just turn the scene sideways with your anger. <laughs> I actually watched it twice to be sure I saw that. I was like, did he just move the camera when he kicked the desk? Yes. Like, that had to be what happened. It legitimately was. Like, I think the camera literally, like, fell over one angle. Like, like it flopped over. And I'm sure it was a choice to leave that take because, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it felt like you could feel the kick. Oh, Eli is showing me a Wikipedia page called The Dutch Angle. It is also known as The Dutch Tilt canted angle or oblique angle and it is a type of camera shot which involves setting the camera at an angle on its roll axis so that the shot is composed with vertical lines at an angle to the side of the frame or that the horizon line of the shot is not parallel with the bottom of the camera frame in cinematography the dutch angle is one of the many cinematic techniques often used to portray psychological uneasiness or tension Hmm. in the subject being filmed hmm cool Thank you. So do we think it was intentional? Yeah. That the camera fell at that angle? That that feels or or they did it on purpose. Like Or they did it on purpose. Yeah, they they rolled the camera so that it looks super Just uneasy. So slight. Yeah. Wow. I always wondered like what it was about that scene that really like it always really gets me. Like I I really don't like this scene. It's very It's also really claustrophobic. Yes, it's very claustrophobic. It's very uncomfortable. He's very sweaty and agitated. Like he feels very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So I like the the whole Dutch angle thing. We we learned something today. We did. We learned something about cinematography. Yeah. It's awesome. It is. And I mean, if this was not Stranger Things, they are legitimately like very out of line. Oh, I, yeah. It's not illegal to impersonate a journalist, but it is like very unethical. It is extremely unethical. And like, there's just a bunch of ways they could have gone about it. Even if it was about her safety, they could have just right. called the police and asked for a wellness check. Very true. Like, if that's really what it was about, you know? Yeah. And this reminds me of other situations in the show where are specifically them saying that she has paranoid schizophrenia Mm -hmm. reminds me of instances where these characters are not acting with all of the information but they're choosing to act anyway and i mean it's never it's not possible to to have all of the information right it's just not but they just like nancy's urgency backfired because I mean, you see Callahan leave Tom's office to say that, like, after telling Tom that they're considering pressing charges. Right. So it's not bullshit. No. I don't think Tom is making it up. See, I was going to ask that. Do you think she really does have schizophrenia? Where would he pull that out of? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just thought since he's flayed, he was kind of making up stuff to make them stay away from her to protect a fellow flayed person. So I don't know. I I thought that might be a a mind flayer mind trick. But yeah, I don't know. I never even processed that part of it. Right? Like, I yeah, like that was my question. Like, is this a reliable narrator, basically? Yeah. And and also a fellow flayed. Mm -hmm. That he's like, I didn't even put two and two together with that. He would try. He would be trying to keep them from meddling with that. For sure. Mm -hmm. And like that's a motive that i didn't even think of but then the other mo like the other motive too is just 
he can't let them interfere in the grander plan right right i still like is that what nancy sees in her chart that she is not suffering with that illness Maybe. is that what she sees in the chart because i always thought it was like sus i was like where did this random let's pin this on mental illness thing yes. come from yeah because it just felt like so out of character for the show i guess it did and honestly when we when we got scenes with mrs driscoll she was perfectly reasonable and you know and i mean you know that's not to say like that's not possible but yeah like, i she feel could like be medicated we just didn't get any sort of indication before that random announcement right you know so i i don't know no i think you're i mean i don't we don't know for sure but it's like a toss-up like callahan could legitimately callahan is definitely there to say the family's pressing charges that's not deniable but then what tom does with that how he inflates that it could very well be that he lies about her condition Mm -hmm. just to make them feel like garbage and like you said to keep them from meddling in a another flayed right because if nancy is operating with that information in tom's mind i think and in in, well in his flayed mind i think that would make her be like oh she's not believable never mind then she's an unreliable narrator yeah i don't know like what does everybody think do you think that she has that disease or not i'm i don't know i'm yeah i'm conflicted and my other confusion here is what is her family furious about they saved her life she was eating fertilizer she was eating fertilizer i mean listen yes everything they did was unethical but at the end of the day nancy is right if they didn't show up she would have died there probably well maybe yeah yeah, okay in in regular life right if she wasn't flayed sure i mean it's hard because that part has to be factual that part Mm -hmm. has to be true yeah that her family's pressing charges or considering it right because yeah callahan was there but what would they i mean i'm sure they could come up with something to be pissed about i mean we live in a pretty litigious society so i'm sure finding a lawyer that would find something to sue them for would not be hard right yeah lots going on here right wow we've extrapolated quite a lot from this little tiny scene but there's also this component too of like okay so let's think about joyce in season one right and how she we knew as the audience that she was the reliable narrator but to everybody else she appeared as the unreliable narrator yelling about will being in the lights etc right here we have nancy in that same position where she's like the rats there's this this Mm. is happening this rat is bad and she's in that very same where she kind of sounds a little bit crazy like a hysterical woman yeah Mm -hmm. and she's just trying to bring the truth to light and then you have jonathan on the receiving end of both of these women (laughs) joyce and nancy and he's just trying to be as logical as possible but then you have this introduction of like actual mental illness right it's it just it's bizarre it is but it feels i guess it does have some intent behind it if you think about it like that it doesn't feel as random to just bring up that disease it always just felt random to me yeah same and and i feel like Again, I'm going to say the T word. It feels like a theme in this show where <laughs> we we kind of harken back to this like very old school, like, you know, hysterical woman thing, like or, or mm-hmm. blaming things on mental illness, blaming things we can't explain on mental illness or demons or what have you. So, right. It, you know, it feels very much like a- another instance of that, perhaps. Yeah, and let's say Mrs. Driscoll does have paranoid schizophrenia. That doesn't mean that her rat 
isn't crazy right. and made her eat fertilizer she was she was correct whether she has it or not she was correct yes yeah she was yes. reliable mm-hmm. so yeah it's a very interesting like i don't know i always wondered if he was telling the truth but i don't know what what do you, i don't know either what does everybody out there think i don't know what's the what's the thoughts yeah <laughs> all right so the kids converge at the wheelers and will explains his recent premonitions of the return of this mf l insists that she closed the gate but will remembers the piece of the creature that exited him after the hot yoga class at the cabin in season two <laughs> Will draws a crude picture of the mind flayer with some random charcoal. Where did they get that? I don't know. Theorizing that the part that was in him might still be in Hawkins. And to make matters worse, it probably wants a new host. Again, I have a lot of questions. You know when you drop on a roller coaster? Yeah. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so subtle, but so good. I know it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> like, so good. She's like, please, sir. What is roller coaster? What is that? <laughs> No. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, me neither. Like, I don't ride those. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> All right. So question time. Yes. How do we make sense of this piece of the Mind Flayer staying alive despite the closure of the gate? So it, I think it's lying dormant. And then in the beginning of the season, when we see them trying and failing to start up the, the Russian key, that's when we see the Mind Flayer stir. Do you remember that in the in the very beginning? The dust. Yeah, like we see, yeah, we see the dust particles start to stir in Brimborn Steelworks. So I think it mm-hmm. wasn't alive the whole time, but I th- okay. I think that since the Russians are working on a gate, it's been able to, you know, come to life. Because I think I think they're you know while they haven't opened a gate, they have wounded the the barrier. I think. Okay. You know? I think that makes sense. I like that explanation. Also, like, it being dormant. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, what was he doing for, like, eight months? Yeah, I think he was he was sleeping. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fair. Because I was, like, I was, like, a little confused. I was like, is this... I mean, for sure, it, it's got to be... It's got to be, like, something of a horcrux situation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that's probably a fair comparison. Yeah. Like, there's, like, the big boy in the Upside Down and then his little piece outside in hawkins and then there's the full mind flare and then there's his weird like cousin trapped in a aquarium in (laughs) in russia (laughs) this just harkens back to our D &D episode i think was it that one or maybe it was our demogorgon life cycle episode at some point we talked about how mind flayers were a species yeah oh yeah it might have been D. &D. yeah it was yeah this is the yeah his cousin in russia his russian Russian cousin (laughs) Uh, okay thank you because i was like what what is the logic here because max asks that question she's like how does this make sense if the brain dies the body dies well the brain is dead yeah or is it or is it and will is describing what the flaydar feels like (laughs) he's just (laughs) describing an anxiety attack (laughs) that's always what will is doing he's always describing some kind of mental health challenge but with like the most possible words right like and it's that's another interesting thing like a lot of the feelings that he describes can also be very much attributed to mental illness uh-huh and and so i think that that's another interesting parallel where they kind of rope that into the series where it's like and he has every reason to have legitimate mental illness mm-hmm. so like is it that or is it the flay flay the flay the flay dart 
And is this all just a game of D&D and the end of season five? We will all learn that none of this. But I mean, this is like, I will cry. this reminds me of that stupid. What's that thing that they that that was like circulating for a while on the Internet about the Rugrats and how oh, each yeah. of them was a depiction of a mental illness? Yes. Yes. Or something of that nature. Like, like, is Will flayed or is he just anxious as fuck? Right. I mean, we do see throughout, like, obviously, yes, he's For flayed, sure. but, like, it's interesting that th- the way he describes most of what mm-hmm. he experiences can also be attributed to real-life issues. Yeah, like his PTSD symptoms right. in season two, there was all that blurred line between is he experiencing PTSD or is he being possessed? Right, which in this case would have been a completely rational explanation for what he was experiencing, but... This is really cool. Yeah, right? I know. I never really even, like, I, I love when we, like, have these conversations in, even though n- neither of us even wrote any of this down. Like, Yeah, it, in real time. <laughs> it just sort of comes up. Like, yeah, that's why it's great to do this. Yay. Yay. So downtown, Hopper tries to get answers out of Mayor Klein, who is a swine, by the way, about the man who attacked him at the lab. Hop insists that he saw this same man leaving Klein's office the other day, but Klein says it was just a plumber named Gary or John. I don't know. Hop threatens to expose Klein's corruption, such as doing coke and cheating on his wife with his secretary, Candace. But Klein reminds him that he knows of Hopper's previous illegal pill usage. Hopper beats Klein and threatens to cut off his finger after Klein sarcastically brings up Sarah. Rude. Low. Really low blow. Not cool. Again, Hop demands to know who the man is, but Klein steals our Terminator joke, saying the man is, Ar- <laughs> is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> As this beatdown is occurring, Candace picks up the phone to call the cops, but Joyce disconnects the wire. Also, LOL. The police are already here, beating up your fuck buddy, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> Klein finally caves, saying the Terminator works for Starcourt. He reveals that Starcourt wants to expand to East Hawkins, and some people didn't want to sell their properties. Klein accepted payouts from Starcourt to make it possible for them to acquire the land. Satisfied with his confession, Hopper demands to know where he can find the records of these land purchases. Klein, Hopper, and Joyce peacefully make their way out of his office. No biggie. That's a doozy. (laughs) That's a lot. See, remember when we were talking about deserving things? Yeah. Yeah. This this one feels warranted. I agree. And Klein and Hop feel like they go back. Oh, way back. Like, these two these, <laughs> right? these two went to high school together. They totally went to high school together. Mm-hmm. And they yes, hundred percent. Because this is just so much like stuff. Yes, there's a there's a history here. Mm-hmm. I would I love agree. to see if in the first shadow when we see like young Hop and Joyce, if if Klein is there too and he's just like the school bully and everybody hates him. <laughs> yeah, I hopefully they they also explain when he became the mayor of Hawkins because yeah. prior to this year there was none. <laughs> there was no damn government in this town. Just police. No damn government. <laughs> it's just anarchy. Yeah. Pure anarchy. <laughs> it's but like the fact that when Hopper walks in and Klein doesn't say anything about Hopper's lip and eye being busted, I feel like that just speaks to this point like I don't expect anything less of you yep. or more of you, dude. Yeah. Your eyes busted again. Makes sense makes complete sense well and and in in that case klein would actually know exactly why true yeah he would know Hmm. yeah so i guess maybe i guess that's probably why he wasn't surprised do you think that they would tell him that i mean that his 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 chief was sniffing around oh 100 percent. 
because hmm, I mean we'll get interesting. We'll get there because when he is in the house handcuffed to the bed, when his wife comes home, he just wants a phone, and I think he's calling the Terminator. Hmm. Yes. Hello. Is this the Terminator? <laughs> it's me. I'm Klein. <laughs> oh you're not there okay i'll leave you a voicemail hopefully you'll be back (laughs) okay okay i I can't promise that's the last time i'm gonna make that joke that's all right the number of bada bada booms (laughs) is just out of control so you can make as many terminator jokes as you need thank you wow i also noticed in this watch through that klein is talking about clogged toilets and plumbing issues when we find out i believe in the next episode that they're using the plumbing to get around the the flayed pieces the pieces of the meat monster like the basilisk yep yeah because okay in in the scene where like l throws the monster the mini monster out the window of the hospital right they all go out to the parking lot and it slithers down into the storm Mm, drain the sewer Mm -hmm. you're right yeah using the plumbing yep we also get another my nose It's a nice callback yeah. to season one. Love that. <laughs> you broke my nose. God, such a baby. <laughs> I know. Also, what kind of presents? They give me presents. Do they give him? They give me presents. What the fuck kind of presents? I'm imagining like a cat who leaves like headless birds on your doorstep. Like headless birds. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> on their way home from being canned, Nancy expresses to Jonathan her disbelief at Tom Holloway's story about Mrs. Driscoll's condition. See, she doesn't believe it either. You know what Nancy thinks? Nancy thinks that Tom is on drugs. His knees were weak. His arms, palms were sweaty. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the, surface, nervous, he looks but on the surface, he looks calm and ready. He doesn't, though. To drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting, he keeps forgetting what he wrote down. Although his speech was good, so I'm glad he memorized it. Um... Anyway, (laughs) sorry, we had to take a rap break. (laughs) Please. (laughs) On a more serious note, Jonathan is fed up with Nancy's insistence on being right. He is now out of a job that he actually needed, unlike Nancy, who lives in a two-story house on Maple Street with a dad who earns six figures. Nancy calls Jonathan Oliver Twist, and Jonathan fires back, asking if she expected to be a star reporter in just a month. Nancy says that Jonathan sounds just like the assholes at the Post, and Jonathan reminds her that those assholes gave them jobs. That was not a job, though, Jonathan. It was humiliating. And the two continue to take jabs at each other before arriving at the conclusion that they just don't understand each other anymore. I just feel like Nancy really keeps moving the goalpost, even though she's right. She keeps moving Mm. the goalpost. Yeah, that's a good way. Moving it around. Yeah, okay, now Tom's on drugs. (laughs) Like, what other thing that is competing with her theory can she debunk? yes. Like, I actually wrote, like, LOL, Nancy might be onto something with, with Tom being on drugs. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very observant, you know. She did she did take note that he was looking a little rough. But that's a really great point. Like, she finds a way to make herself still right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and as, like, I can see how Jonathan, like, he, I, I actually, like, 19 minutes and 25 seconds-ish, mm-hmm. his face is just, like, is this girl for real? <laughs> is she serious right now? Right? Like, he's so done. He's had it. And you know, I do feel for him in that sense. Like I do think she's being a lot. And you know, I I give him that. But he also needs to fucking can it, okay? Because she gave him an out several times. 
and he didn't have enough of a backbone to take that out and now he's gonna blame her for the whole thing no i don't like that fair i don't like very that. fair i think i i used to think they were like equally wrong but honestly i'm giving the l to jonathan for this okay i think this is fucked up i think he's trying to place the blame solely on her just to be able to absolve himself of any guilt yeah, in this I, I see it. Even though he has equal guilt with her because he he's a big boy. He didn't have to go along with that. And she said, give me the keys. Yes, she gave him an out that time and the time before. You're so right. I didn't think of that. That, yes, I keep forgetting that this wasn't forced upon no. him. That he could have chosen not to participate. Yeah, she told him several times he did not have to come. Yeah, so true. And, you know, again, I think he has valid points with the way that Nancy... Mm-hmm kind of steamrolls over people to get to her final destination but i don't think he has valid points in like blaming her for them getting fired yeah and i think like in the grander scheme of things you're right i think jonathan is looking for like a scapegoat almost like but i think in the like in the context of this moment where they're having this back and forth it's like equally as hard to hear the jabs that they both make at each other like i don't john like nancy saying like oh here we are with the with the oliver twist routine again like that's pretty below the belt like nancy like all right sit down like this is in the in jonathan from jonathan's perspective and his reality this is serious shit that she doesn't have to worry about like she genuinely doesn't yeah and i also feel like we see nancy occupy this weird contradict like two separate spaces that feel like they contradict each other so she's the female in the workspace right that's the first space and that's she's not taken seriously she's bullied she's belittled she's mistreated but she's also occupying this space of privilege where she can be i guess reckless Mm -hmm. in her pursuit of the truth because she doesn't need the job like at the end of the day she can risk being wrong or ruining her job internship whatever because she wants to chase the story because she doesn't need there's no stakes here yeah really what are what are the stakes yeah for nancy like her only stakes are if she thinks that screwing this up could like blackball her but yeah i'm not even sure that that kind of thing like existed at this time so i don't know i, I don't know either but i also then again on the contrary i don't like to see jonathan more or less tell nancy that she should just deal with, with yeah. sexist men Right. And she's right. He doesn't understand. Like He doesn't. He doesn't. I, I remember watching this episode with my aunt, who was, I mean, would probably be the same age as Nancy. Yeah. And she said, it's this. that's exactly how it was. That's exactly how women were treated in the early days mm-hmm. of, of being in the workforce. Like, and and she, like, I remember her saying, he really doesn't understand. Like, and he, yeah. and he could never. And I feel like they actually somehow arrive at, like, the very clear conclusion that they just don't understand each other like he doesn't understand what it's like to be a female in the workforce and she doesn't understand what it's like for him to be the older brother of a younger brother who has all these issues and the single mom and yeah doesn't have money like they just they really don't understand each other from that perspective yeah they really they really don't like i i think this kind of lends itself to a lot of our tension in season four where yeah. it's it's clear that they really have I don't want to say diverging values, but like their values are of course kind of similar, but I think that a lot of their 
lived experience is so different that it's difficult mm-hmm. for them to connect in a deep meaningful way yes i agree and it's like i even wrote it's just like about compatibility mm-hmm. can they overcome these types of differences as a couple and again it comes right back to what we have been saying this whole series that so many of our characters thrive in the face of otherworldly trauma but when it comes mm-hmm. to these like everyday normal person issues they fall apart yeah yeah i don't know i, I kind of t- watched the scene from like a little bit of a different perspective this time around and came away with it that I don't think it's that Jonathan and Nancy don't have love for each other. Mm -hmm. But part of why I don't necessarily feel that they are end game is because it feels a little bit like you're with a partner and you love each other, but they want a kid and you don't. Mm -hmm. And there's just nothing you can do to reconcile that difference. And it's not that you don't love each other. You just you just want different things out of life yes right that's what it is it's not that they have different values they they just have different trajectories and different paths yeah and can the paths converge i don't i don't know right i don't know i i remember like when me and eli first started dating i think we talked about children on our second date Mm -hmm. i think it's important to bring that stuff up early as scary as it can be like yeah because for sure why am i gonna waste my time if somebody wants children and i don't you know yes yes and it's not about not loving it's just about practical life yep. choices yes which you know is hard to come by in the show practical <laughs> practical life <laughs> any practicality whatsoever no. is very difficult to find it is it's not called practical things it's called <laughs> stranger things <So> true. <laughs> Robin bikes back to the mall, returning with Starcourt blueprints from the county recorder's office. Sure, Jan. <laughs> These blue- Come on now. Right? Like, that seems it's a little far-fetched. These blueprints show air ducts that lead from the ice cream parlor to the shipping room. Steve inspects the air ducts and, to his dismay, realizes that they cannot fit. Dustin decides to have a look, since he has no collarbones. Robin is confused by this information, and Steve attempts to explain Justin's cleidocranial dysplasia to her. He's like gumbo. <laughs> so close, Steve. So close. Pretty sure it's gumby. No, I'm pretty no, sure it's gumbo. It's gumbo. <laughs> it's okay, Steve. It's a good thing you're pretty. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> Which is what my twelfth grade pretty. math teacher said to me one time. <laughs> this this trauma keeps coming. It does up keep on coming back. And I will call her out forever. Miss Connolly, stop being mean to people, okay? I'm still traumatized. <laughs> anyway. From halfway into the duct, Dustin interrupts them, demanding that Steve push him into the vent. Touch my butt! I don't care! (laughs) (laughs) Just then, Erica arrives asking for more free samples. Robin looks at her and gets an idea. Robin with the epiphanies. She's just so smart. Like, she's just always thinking (laughs) one step ahead. All these scenes end with Robin, like... Yeah. Looking at something and having a silent... The light bulb going Mm -hmm. off. Tiny child. Yes. Tiny hole. <laughs> ding. <laughs> the manual ding counter. Hole, yes. hole counter. Oh, God. At Hawkins Community Pool, the kids observe Billy, who is very uncharacteristically sitting around with a shirt on. Mike remembers the Mind Flayer's avoidance of heat. He likes it cold. Max insists that lounging at the pool is like the least Mind Flayer thing ever, but Will explains that the Mind Flayer is keeping Billy dormant until it needs him. The gang decides that they cannot risk this MF activating or attacking or killing more people. 
They have to determine if Billy is actually the host. Mike says he has an idea and beckons the boys only into the men's locker room. They're going to wait until the pool closes and everyone leaves, and then they're going to lure Billy into the sauna and heat him up like an evil little hot pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Mm. Billy pocket. (laughs) Well, I just had to write that Billy's sitting on the bench in the blistering sun, completely covered from head to toe, is me when Marina makes me go to the beach with her. <laughs> it so is. Right? We have like an umbrella, hats, sunglasses, towels, cover-ups. You're also chewing ice. Yes. <laughs> Try to make sure to keep it keep it cool. She likes it cold. I do. <laughs> so speaking of ice, mm-hmm. because he's definitely chomping on some ice, right? He's sitting up there like chewing ice. Yes. Mike said that Billy was in the tub with ice. So was it him in the tub with the ice that they find the empty plastic bags? Mm. Or was it Heather? Because that would make sense. Why Heather, Why would he bring Heather to his house yeah. to put her in the bathtub? Remember that whole question? Yes. I feel like that answers our question. I don't think it was her. It does. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. But then why in Elle's mind void was Heather the one coming up out of the ice? Oh. Maybe she went to her own house and got in her own tub, which would explain why it's a clawfoot tub. Because they're rich. Not the tub. Not the tub that's in the Hargrove house. That would make sense. We, we it. did it. We cracked the case. We solved the case of the missing lifeguard. <laughs> we <guard>. did. <laughs> Yay. Woo! Oh, my gosh. That's it. Yay. We did it. If everybody else knew that already, no, you didn't. Yeah. Just pretend you didn't. <laughs> and enjoy this with us. Be excited. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I have to ask. What the hell is Will wearing? What is this outfit? Please. <laughs> is it the stripes? Yes, it's so ugly. Like, even for the 80s, this kid, first of all, it's summer. Like, it's clearly hot out by the way that everybody else is dressed. He is wearing a long sleeve, <laughs> striped polo with, and the, and the stripes are, let me paint you a picture here. The polo, it has a collar and like buttons, like a normal polo would. It's long sleeved. And it is like mustard colored with red stripes. And then his shorts are dark blue, like, like, <laughs> like swishy. I just pulled up a picture. Yeah, like swishy basketball shorts, but they're like booty shorts. Like booty shorts. Like so short. And then the long sleeve. I don't understand. Yeah, what is it? It's a horrible outfit. And That's such a good question. Everybody else is dressed like cute, like their normal selves. And Will looks like that. <laughs> they do him such a disservice they do constantly this poor kid like always like please <laughs> put him in a normal outfit for once <laughs> give him a normal haircut yes let the kid get a haircut <laughs> like somebody somebody help him god like i can't they they really that's a good that's a good point he's that's brutal it's bad like it is exceptionally bad where i had to pause and look look at it <laughs> marina made it her zoom background it's so bad <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have to post a picture of that outfit. We will. It's a sleigh. It's, you're right. The shorts are very. And like that was in style. Yeah, that was in style back then. But he's but the long. It's also like July. Yes. Like take off that shirt. And and it's tucked into the shorts. <laughs> just horrible. Poor William the Wise Buyers. Just horrible. And speaking of wardrobe, if you notice, Lucas is wearing a hat this season. Yes, says, he is. Oh, did you look this up too? I did, but I didn't. I was like, that's too much yeah. for me. So I, I just found like a away. little blurb. Um, but his hat says, 
Ariosti, uh-huh. A-R-I-O-S-T-E-A. And this was a um, an Italian cycling team from 1984 to 1993. Yeah, it's so random. I know. I, I was like reading on the Wikipedia article to see if it had any sort of like relevance, and it didn't yeah. at all. I don't think it does, but I did find like somebody else had also spotted it, mm. and I think the article was translated from Italian. Makes sense. When they opened the sauna, I never caught this before, but Lucas oh says, I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> I threw up. I threw up. Mom. <laughs> Mom, I threw up. Man's man soup. Yeah, man soup. Steamed man soup. Yum. Not really. Man meat. <laughs> anyway, back at Scoops Ahoy, Erica checks the vents, confirming she is able to fit. Robin then explains the plan and the route she's going to take through the ducts. Once Erica makes her way to the storeroom, she's going to unlock the door from the inside, letting Steve, Robin, and Dustin in. Erica isn't convinced, though, saying that this half-baked plan sounds like child endangerment. Dustin reminds her that they think these Russians want to do harm to their country. Doesn't Erica love her country? You can't spell America without Erica. (laughs) Oddly, that's uh, totally true. It is 100% true. Still not convinced, Erica lectures Dustin and Robin about capitalism and demands payment for her services. She would like free ice cream for life. Thank you. Do they have the jurisdiction to (laughs) just give away free ice cream for life to this random child? I had this thought. Like, are Steve and Robin going to have to pay for this out of their own pockets every time she wants ice cream? No, because Steve and Robin opened up Scoops Ahoy. They run the It was... Yeah, what's that thing called when you like a startup? A franchise. Like they were like, let's, they, they, yeah, they let's, yes, yeah, yes, that's what they did. This is their franchise yes. branch of Scoops Ahoy. Yeah, ice cream, which is why they're not that concerned when the mall burns down because they have insurance money now. They're fine. There you go. Exactly the right answers. Yep. At Klein's giant sprawling estate, he shows Joyce and Hopper land deeds and transfers of property. Hopper wants to know why Starcourt is buying up all this property, but Klein insists that they don't give him any details. Klein again warns them that the Starcourt men are dangerous, but Hop shoots him with a rubber band. (laughs) (laughs) Joyce notices a correlation with the bought properties. They are all very close to the power plant. She remembers the power surge from the other day and recalls that her magnets fell the very next day. What if the giant machine that Mr. Clark spoke about is real, and what if it's at one of these properties? Hopper finds Klein trying to escape through his window and handcuffs him to his bed. (laughs) Cute. We love it. So I paused on this document. Me too. Yay. (laughs) Only because I was like still still a little confused. (laughs) But this brought some clarity. I don't know if you would agree. Yeah, I think think like rewatching this episode and really paying attention to the process has helped a little. Same. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the the document that Hopper looks at, they are for both the property of Bernard G. Hess. So there's two documents, mm-hmm. right? And the top one is the land deed itself. So essentially, like, Hess owns this piece of land. The second page of the document is the transfer of this land from Hess to Starcourt. Yes. Okay. And I just thought this was interesting, and I'm sure you noticed it too. The date on the second sheet is November 13th, 1984. Oh, so this transfer of land occurred right at the end of season two. Right. Which is interesting because we know now that they were opening up this gate in Hawkins like months before or in Russia, rather months before that. 
So yes, before season two. So it took them quite a while to figure out where they had to go and and what they had yeah. to do next. Yeah, because it was they gave he gave Alexi a year. Mm-hmm. He said you have a year. Yep. So they were already in Hawkins, building this mall, transferring land around Wild. while season two was happening. Yes. Like this was occurring simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And I thought it was kind of cool that like we see these Hess documents and then later when they're searching all of the houses. Yes. The final one is going to be the Hess house. Yeah. yeah. And I never processed that that's what they were doing, that they were going to the houses yeah. that had that had been bought up yes yes oh, fucking times i've watched this stupid show <laughs> i just like oh yeah that that happens of course. <laughs> at the wheelers karen tries to get nancy to come out of her room knowing that she's upset mrs wheeler <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> she listens to her daughter explain what happened between her and jonathan and the hawkins post karen shares her wisdom about how the world beats you up again and again until most people just stop trying she tells Nancy that she's a fighter, but Karen doesn't know where she gets it from. The two rag on Ted for a second for being a wet noodle, and Nancy insists that she gets her determination from her mom. Karen tearfully tells Nancy that she's proud of her for standing up for herself. She tells Nancy to finish the story if she believes in it. Go sell it to the Indianapolis Star. Finish it, girl. The two embrace. I love this scene. I know. It just... I think it just makes... It, it adds depth. This whole season adds depth to Karen. It does. That we don't get previously. Or after, even though she gets her own poster for season four. You're absolutely <laughs> right. This is just like a blip in time. Yeah. And then we never Karen is like, she's like three-dimensional for like 14 minutes. Yeah, yeah I, I did say like I love learning who Karen was before Ted. And I think yes. she's like still in there a little bit. I, I think at her core, she's a strong lady. She won't back down. And I think she's very proud that Ted didn't completely suck that out of her and she was able Mm. to impart that to her daughter. I could see exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also when she says, this world, it beats you up again and again until eventually I... And then she stopped herself and she said, most people just stop trying. Mm. So she was... Something must have happened. Like she must have maybe try to join the workforce herself or maybe yeah. she tried maybe she tried to go to college like who knows i would just love to know more this is like a little snip of what what is karen wheeler before ted and nancy and mike and holly yeah. like what is she who is she i i know i would love to learn more about that in season five i think that she has the potential to be such an interesting and dynamic character but a lot of times mm-hmm. they just don't do enough with her and i love the part when <laughs> she says like you have to show those shitheads who's boss and nancy's like mom Mom. like she's never heard this woman curse i know and it's funny because you can see how your idea of your parent differs from who your parent actually is yes like what do we know about karen wheeler yeah we know we know a little bit she reads harlequin novels Mm -hmm. in the bathtub and has the hots for billy nancy doesn't know any of that but Nancy doesn't know that side of her mom. But it's just, I feel like we tend to define our parents by by what we've seen of them. But there's so much more to them than what we see. It's so funny it's like, that we were talking about this because literally just on Sunday, I was talking to my aunt about how sometimes I tell you about some of the 
crazy shit she says and does nowadays. And like when we were growing up, my my aunt who raised me was quite strict. Yeah, she was a pretty strict parent. And now that I'm an adult, I get to see this like fun side of her that I didn't mm-hmm. even know was there all along because we're able to have that relationship now. And like we literally were just talking about this like two days ago, how like, you know, it's not that she changed. It's that I changed and now I'm allowed to see this part of her. Yeah, like even Nancy, when Karen knocks on the door, on her bedroom door, right? And you know, you don't know because you see it, but you know that Nancy hesitates on the other side of the door. She's like, do I want to let her in? Do I want to have this conversation? Mm -hmm. And Karen takes the L and starts to walk down the steps. And then Nancy opens the door. And it's like, Nancy is allowing herself to be vulnerable with her mom again. And I feel like there's a period of time where like you're a kid and you are lovey-dovey with your parent then you go through being a teenager and you hate them and then you come to a point like you were describing where you can be friends and that like authoritative side of the relationship kind of goes away yeah and i feel like we're watching this like nancy start a different type of relationship with her mom now that she's getting older yeah it's it's a very um symbolic door opening yes it is i love this scene me too i really love it i could watch it over and over again it is just so sweet it like almost makes me cry every time i love it yeah and and also like i was just thinking you see this this conversation that ensued between jonathan and nancy where jonathan did not have he was not capable of showing nancy the empathy that she needed right karen though who has probably been in the exact same situation had the ability to show nancy empathy Mm -hmm. which was just like it's just nice to see those scenes back to back with each other yeah i love it did you catch like i also thought it was the way that they pull out and pan out and like zoom out of this and they show them hugging on the counter and it just felt like they are surrounded by and located in like a very this is a very domestic space right they're in a house but they're also in the kitchen okay Mm. But, like, placed right in front of them on the counter is a butcher block full of knives. And it just kind of felt like... I love that. You're going to put these ladies in this domestic space, and then you're going to give them, like, a bunch of knives. I don't know. It just <laughs> it felt like it made sense. Yeah. It's a little symbolic again. It's like, you know, this place that we expect to see women, you know, given mm-hmm. stereotypes and stuff. But with the tools that they need to mm. be pretty badass. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of when we were doing our 80s horror episode and we talked about how the trope was to equip female characters with um, like household rather objects. than weapons, yeah. household objects. And they're, it's like it feels like a direct wow. um, contradiction of the trope. Like, let's give them actual weapons. Let's give them knives and not like a ladle. Yeah, like a, <laughs> a lamp, you know? Yeah, a lamp or like a pin. Which is so funny like because that. we very often see Steve grabbing a household object as a weapon. <laughs> a lamp? Yeah. He, I could have killed you with this lamp. <laughs> like, he just grabs whatever's nearby all the time. Which is funny. What does he say? He's like, oh my God, he yells at Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Back at the pool, the party prepares to trap Billy. Lucas tries to talk to Will about the previous day, saying that his campaign was actually really cool, but Will brushes him off, saying they have bigger things to worry about, like mind flares. Elsewhere, Elle finds a CPR dummy. Mike walks in and tries to make Elle laugh, but fails. He begins to explain his lie about Nana at this extremely inopportune moment. Mike explains Hopper's interference, saying that he was trying to get them to stop seeing each other, and Elle wonders out loud if maybe Hop was right. You know, 
Maybe she should spend more time with her species. <laughs> her species. <laughs> Mike realizes that Elle spied on him, and he insists that that's totally against the rules. But Elle makes her own rules. Outside, Max watches Billy through the binoculars and laments at the idea that he might be the host. Max just wants to be wrong so bad. And Nancy just wants to be right wow. so bad. Yeah, that's funny. She does. She wants to be wrong. Ugh, it's so sad. It sucks. It is. It's just, it's awful. And I never noticed this, but we have another psychic door unlock. Kind of. She unlocks the padlock to the chemicals closet. Oh. Yeah, we get a hmm. really quick shot, but the lock just boop, opens boop. up itself. Mm-hmm. We don't actually see her do it. It, it just happens. And I think it just happens. You know, we're supposed to assume. We can assume. Yeah. yeah. I like to see just this. We don't get much of it. So it's just like this little random intimate Lucas will. Mm-hmm. We never see Lucas and Will alone. That's so true. Yeah. And it's it's nice to see them like address each other. Yeah. Those two directly. Are, are not often paired. They're not. They're really not. So I just wanted to point that out. Cool. Even if Will brushes him off. <laughs> it's like, Lucas, we don't have time for this right now. Please. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Will on that one. Like, this is just not the time, man. It's, it's okay. Let's move on. He's just some angry old man who hates joy. <laughs> I love that. It's a good quote. Night has fallen on Starcourt Mall, and Erica is getting ready to commence Operation Child Endangerment. I love when Robin's like, could we maybe not call it that? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Dustin, and Robin are staked out on the roof again as Erica begins to traverse the cleanest air ducts we have ever seen. <laughs> she arrives at Who cleans these? <laughs> she arrives at the vent in the storeroom and she reports that she sees boxes, but no guards or booby traps. Erica kicks in the vent and opens the door to the outside, reiterating her demands for free ice cream for life. For life. That's right. I have a very serious logistical question. Please. Where the hell are the security cameras? Where would, would like in the vents? Any, no. At the, at when they open the doors at the, you know, she's like in the room and she hits the door open. So you're telling me there's no security cameras inside that room elevator and there's none outside it either? None? Hawkins Lab is drenched in security cameras. You're right. We know that they have the technology. I looked it up. Security cameras were invented in 1949. <laughs> we have technology. We have technology. <laughs> Where the hell are the cameras? That's such a valid question because I could be like, there were cameras and that's why the room started to descend, but that's not why the room started to descend. It started to descend because they were fucking with the buttons, right? No. No, I just think it it just happened that they were bringing their shipment downstairs. I think it was just bad timing. You think it was just timing? Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But no, yeah, I don't know where they are. That's a good question. I have no idea. Like, this never dawned on me until we see Erica just casually walk out of their, like, stronghold. Yeah. With no problem. No cameras anywhere. Nothing. No security. No security whatsoever. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know man. Seems seems unlikely, but okay. It does seem unlikely. I can suspend my disbelief. Sure. But it seems unlikely. I mean, we have to suspend our disbelief a lot in this right. season, I feel like. It's happened. <laughs> Everything. It's happened quite a few times, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, right? Like, literally everything. So, whatever. Yeah. Erica is just casually dropping the CU on the other side before she gets into the vent. That's right. Yeah. And then obviously we get that in season four mm-hmm. before Nancy and Steve try to go back up into the Hawkins or the 
uh, Munson trailer, and then that doesn't work out at all. Hence the irony of it. Yeah. Yeah. So see you on the other side. Did it ever like occur to you that maybe why a lot of these phrases are reused is not because they're purposeful, but it's because it's the same people writing the show, and these are. (laughs) It's also very possible. (laughs) It could mean absolutely nothing. It's just something that these people say. <laughs> because like the same people are writing the episode. Yes, yeah. Like I, I saw a TikTok the other day of some guy I've never even seen ever, but he's like telling a story, and like every five seconds he's like, "I'm not even gonna lie," and then he says the thing, "I'm not even gonna lie," and then he says the thing, and I'm like, "Okay, we get it. You're not lying. You're not gonna lie. I'm sure there's shit that we do oh, yeah. on here that we don't realize that we're consciously saying over and over and over mm-hmm. and over. Mm-hmm. Filler words. Oh yeah." things we do that for sure everyone does so see you on the other side is maybe just like the db's thing that they just say in life yeah like like you know catch you on the flippity flip see you on the other side (laughs) (laughs) exactly like that (laughs) so back at the mayor's house his wife returns home to find her big dumb idiot husband handcuffed to their bed at the same time joyce and hopper begin to investigate some of the properties that have been purchased by starcourt They visit one abandoned home after the next, crossing them off on a list as they go. This man has a lot of audacity talking to his wife like that while he's in a very compromising position. Also, his wife, who he has cheated on with Candace, who comes home genuinely concerned about him. I know. What a sweetheart. She deserves better. Larry. I know. Winnie. And she, right, Winnie, what a cute name. And she is so cute in her little Jazzercise outfit. She was at the Jazzercise class that was taught by the evil Russian. For sure. She just got done. Yeah. Yeah. He's so mean to her. Yeah, you're right. He's like, he is. He's a, give me a goddamn phone or whatever. Yeah. And he's going to call the Terminator. We know this. I think. I don't know. You're probably right. I mean, I don't know who else he would call. He can't call the police. Yeah, he just got the shit beat out of him by the police. Yeah. Speaking of audacity, Hopper and Joyce just waltzing into these homes. They don't know what they're going to find. You're right. They could find, I mean, I'm sure like nothing would surprise them. I know, really. Like, honestly, if there's like an entire armed militia in one of these houses, I'm sure they'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Are the properties just vacant if need, like for like in case they need them? I was wondering that. Or was it, is it an underground thing? Like, I don't know. So that, the, like, all of a sudden there's not just, like, a gate to another dimension in your basement. Like, they decided to <laughs> yeah, I don't be know. thorough and buy properties that could potentially encompass the underground Or is it facility. meant to be a diversion? So it's, like, you don't know which one's the right one. And it would take quite a lot of digging, like Hopper and Joyce are doing right now, to figure it out. That's fun. Yeah, like, you couldn't really just stumble upon it because it's, like, a bunch of houses. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. You remember Stumble Upon? Yes. That was such a cool website. That really was. If you don't know what Stumble Upon was, it was a website that would just load you into random websites. Yeah. Like, and, and you'd find really interesting stuff. Like, a lot of times it would be, like, a random Wikipedia page about, like, yes. like something you would never think to look up or you didn't even know. Yeah. Like, it's really cool stuff. Stumble Upon. Yeah. A very wet and possessed Billy showers at the now-closed Hawkins community pool. As he begins to get dressed, he hears clanging from somewhere else in the locker room. He angrily yells that the pool is closed, only to find that the locker room doors have been padlocked shut from the outside, and he is trapped. Mike calls Billy's name like a little creep. 
He eerily tells Billy to come and get him, luring him to the sauna where the party has rigged up the CPR dummy and a walkie-talkie. Billy enters the sauna to dismantle the dummy, which tells him to turn around. The dummy said that. He does so, only to find Eleven standing there. Hi. She greets him and proceeds to throw him against the back wall of the sauna with her mind. Mike, Lucas, Will, and Max enter the locker room, shoving a metal rod into the door of the sauna and securing it closed with a chain. The party stands back as Billy tries to force his way out. He catches sight of Max, and she reluctantly gives them the go-ahead to turn up the heat. Billy! (laughs) Why does he say it like that? Billy! And then he, like, laughs. It's Oh, I hate it. I hate it. It is. It's like, really, Mike? I didn't know you had it in you. I don't know. know. Yeah, right? Feels out of character. Yeah, a little bit. Like, he suddenly has, like, improv chops. Yeah, he's like, come and get me. (laughs) It's like, please, Mr. Wheeler. Mr. Wheeler. (laughs) I don't like that one. I don't don't like like that one. Michael Vincent Wheeler. Elle threw him against that wall really violently without even knowing if he was flayed. (laughs) She didn't even know yet. And she's like, hey, Max, guess what? Fuck your brother. Fuck your brother. I was just thinking, I was thinking that while watching it. I was like, what if like he, like, do you think Max is like, could y'all just like stop abusing my brother? Like they don't even know. And and they're like, okay, well, either way, we're going to know. Okay. Well, what if it turned out that he was not, how are they going to explain that? (laughs) What was the backup plan? I mean, the police is her dad. So just be like, dad, hi, daddy. Stop it. (laughs) No. It's back. <laughs> Billy. Okay. She could just be like, Dad. <laughs> yes. We thought Billy was flayed, so we ran a test, and you're not going to press charges because you're my dad and I'm your daughter. Yeah. And he'll be like, Hell yeah, that's fine. No problem. Yeah. So, but great question. What the hell was the backup plan here if Billy was not just fucking throw him around the room? <laughs> also, like, what happens if there's no wall for Elle to fling someone into? That's why she doesn't fight outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's it that's why all the battles take place indoors you have to make sure that there's a roof to protect you from the elements <laughs> the roof <laughs> my brain went to the same place. you know indoors indoors yeah. and then i i thought it was funny when when max tells will to turn up the heat it's giving emperor palpatine telling anakin do it <laughs> ew <laughs> you're allowed to do that but i can't say hi daddy as many times as i want do it is a is a meme it's a thing it's a thing we can make hi daddy a meme i don't want to (laughs) you can't stop me i'm the meme maker that's true you are the meme queen as we know (laughs) oh my god i i just want to say because i think it's relevant this is billy still Mm -hmm. we are not mind flaring yet billy is being billy he is He's Billy. I'm a little confused about that because when we see them at the Holloways, he's like pretty normal, but he's like clearly also not normal. Because he was on, he was on the job. He was on the job. He was working for a living. That's true. That's true. He's working his other job. He was like 
why does the mind flayer let these people just go work their shift don't they have shit to do for him like mind flayer's like nah nah we can't we can't tap into billy right now he's got to go be a lifeguard for a couple hours <laughs> he's no, on no, the schedule off the table for today uh he's got to go back and be the ceo of the hawkins he can't Police. be a no call no show sorry <laughs> <laughs> like the mind flayer just billy is billy and when he was at the holloways he was on the job so he was like mind flayer billy yeah but we see the mind flare arrive yes but we don't like when he's like on the job at the holloways the like will's flader doesn't go off until he activates to like you know harm janet and tom so i'm confused because i don't know it's very weird all right here it is you're standing directly in front of me and you're putting your arms behind your back okay and i'm sticking my arms out through your arms and my arms <laughs> you know i do people do that <laughs> that's what that's what the holloways was mm. it was like billy's body but the mind flayer's arms i don't know <laughs> just making shit up as i go along his at this point <laughs> yeah his, yeah i i see i see what you're saying though it's like but i think let's get there yeah Let's get there, because it's going to come up again. it is. For sure. At the hospital, Nancy sneaks into Mrs. Driscoll's room, claiming to be her granddaughter. Nancy. Nancy Driscoll. Driscoll. (laughs) Her little, like... Nancy Driscoll. (laughs) (laughs) Little Natalia being cute. So cute. She looks at her medical chart, finding something that catches her attention, which I don't think we ever find out what it is. Is it that she does not have schizophrenia? Perhaps. All of a sudden, Mrs. Driscoll's heart rate starts to skyrocket. Nancy looks on in horror. I never... It's literally my only note. What is it? That just about the what's on the chart. Oh, I, I never connected that her heart rate is going haywire because of the sauna test. Yes, because Billy's baking. Yes. Like a little apple pie. Like an evil little Hot Pocket. Like an evil little Hot Pocket. <laughs> a corrupt little Totino's pizza roll. Yes, Exactly. And Precisely. those hurt when you bite right into him. I'm sure it would hurt if you bit Billy. It would. He's probably very warm in there. Anyway. <laughs> the Starcourt group extracts a green liquid in a canister from the marked boxes in the storeroom. Before they can examine it fully, the room shudders. As Dustin fumbles with the control panel to the door, the room starts to plunge downward in true Tower of Terror fashion. Imagine the disappointment, the sheer disappointment, if they opened up these Imperial Panda boxes and legitimately found Chinese food. <laughs> just like frozen, like egg <laughs> just rolls. dumplings and lo mein and shit. <laughs> like, oh God. God, we crawled through an air duct for this. <laughs> We've made a fatal error. <laughs> Again, we're operating with not enough information and we just have some General Tso's chicken. That's, be- that's being guarded by a gigantic gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. Yes. Chicken. <laughs> The plummeting. The I would just die. This would kill me. I I would never even make it down there. I would just die. <laughs> but also, like, can we just talk about Steve and Dustin here? Or Steve is like, could you could you give me a little? Could you back up? No. And Dustin's like, no. And Steve's like, could you could you please? And Dustin's like, no. If you die, I die. And Steve is like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Like, I I, I asked the same it, question. It, I wrote, why is Dustin so willing to die with Steve right now? <laughs> I don't know. It, it just feels like, it just like the, their relationship. It's like it is his dad. I don't know. It's, it's such a father figure thing yeah. to me. Which is sweet because we know Dustin doesn't really have that in his life. Exactly. So it's just, it's very intense. Yeah. 
it's very intense dustin and, it, and then robin and erica are like like okay guys good. It, it explains <laughs> why dustin is like why they butt heads so much because dustin i think does kind of view him as a dad and he doesn't always like what he has to say yeah you're right i don't know if you know maybe the world knows maybe we're stupid what is in the canisters what is this green <laughs> stuff no clue we can't not talk about this yeah, I, I'm guessing it's like uranium or something to power the machine. What is the green stuff in the sauna test? Uh, Nothing. N- nobody knows. Nobody knows. Okay. Maybe it's on Reddit. It's it's got to be the power source, the fuel for for this machine. You're right. That's that's my main guess. I think that's a good guess. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's definitely probably considered a terrorist chemical weapon yeah something <laughs> whatever it is so something not good you don't, you just don't want it back at the pool billy aggressively demands to be let out as the sauna reaches its maximum temperature of 220 degrees fahrenheit he spits on the inside of the glass she's like where did he think that was gonna go <laughs> right there asking the kids if they think this is funny no one is laughing william nobody <laughs> <laughs> This is quite serious. He yells at them to open the goddamn door. Haven't you ever heard of opening the goddamn door? Opening the goddamn door? (laughs) My goodness. But then he begins to weep, saying that it's not his fault. He says he's done things, bad things, and he made him do it. Max asks who made him do it, and Billy says he's like a shadow, a giant shadow. Continuing to weep and appeal to Max's sympathy, Billy sneakily reaches for a shard of broken tile. Through tears, Max tells Billy she wants to help him. The skin on the back of Will's neck flares up, and Mike screams for Max to get away from the door just as Billy shatters the glass and attempts to stab her. Billy removes the pipe blocking the door, but Lucas shoots him in the head with his wrist rocket, sending him stumbling backwards into the sauna again. This is very Will sending the soldiers to the mm. hub, all for them to be cornered by the demodogs. It's a trap. Like, it is a trap, but we get that moment of clarity from Will where he's like, I'm sorry. Yes. And this is kind of what I meant when I said, like, I don't think the mind flayer arrives until Billy reaches for the shard of tile. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I I think I think he reaches for the shard and then Will's Voldemort senses tingle and his scar starts to act That's up. Right. I don't know. <laughs> And that's when the mind player gets there. Like, I think that Billy is authentically crying. Me too. It, he, like, becomes a little boy again. It's, he does. It's so, like, it's hard. We see through that exterior a little bit, and we realize he's trapped in there. Yeah. Like, he's still in there, and he's trapped. Yes. Yes. And you saying that, it, it reminds me, too, of Will tapping Morse code, mm. right? It's almost like... um. Like a 60-30 versus like a 30-60. Yeah. So like with Will, maybe let's say, I don't know, that's not the math. That's not how that it's, math that's works. That's not the math at all. That's 60 only 90%. and 30 does not make 100. What's the other 10%? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Mrs. Wheeler, I have no idea. <laughs> let's say, okay, wait, hold on, math. I want 80-20, okay? okay? So like in the, the in the interrogation scene in season two with Will... He is 80% Mind Flayer, 20% Will. Okay, that feels fair. Maybe that's a little bit drastic. With this scene, it feels like we end up with like 
an 80% Billy, 20% Mind Flayer. Until he activates. Until he activates. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think I, I was struggling to figure out if his initial reaction to being locked in there was even still a little over the top for Billy. I felt like his extremely volatile reaction was a little much for, for Billy even. Like, I mean, he's pretty wild, yeah. but I don't know if he's that bad. But then that also leads me to believe that him backpedaling and getting emotional, is that a breaking down or is that like a manipulative emotional pivot? Yeah, I don't know. I, I wondered about this too, like whether we were supposed to believe this was genuine or not. Yeah. Like does the mind flayer know how to make his hosts appear pathetic so that you sympathize mm -hmm. with them and then you weaken them mm -hmm. so you can catch them off guard? Yeah, I truly don't know. It's hard to say because the Mind Flayer is good at that. So, don't know. Also, we get our second F-bomb of the series in this scene. Thank you because I struggled whenever we said Will dropped the first one mm -hmm. to know when the second <laughs> one. I was like, yeah. wasn't this the only one? But no, he says, I'll fucking gut yeah. you. I think he calls her a bitch. He does. Yeah. He calls her a bitch and he says, oh, I can't. Think about Max hearing from that. From her brother. That's from her horrifying. Brother, who has said awful things, but like that's next level. Yeah. A, a threat of disemboweling. That's a rough one. That is a rough one. Nobody wants to be disemboweled. It always kind of unintentionally struck me as funny in this scene when Will is very mm. calmly, or Mike is calmly looking at Will and he's like, Max, get away from the door. I know. Get away from the door! <laughs> it's also like a good, t like watching Mike understand Will's nonverbal. Yes. React like to receiving a, f a, f a flay tingle. A, a flay notification. <laughs> a flingle. A flingle. <laughs> a flay notification. Yeah. I like that better. Yeah. But I, I appreciate Mike protecting Max right away. Yes. He immediately knew. Yes. Yeah. So that was nice. Especially because he didn't like her. Yeah, But he doesn't want her to get attacked by her own brother. So that's cool. No, I can't say I blame him. <laughs> and I just have to say the wrist rocket is, is it finally did its job a little bit. It all, it comes in handy. It does. You know, it, you know, the Demogorgon. Yeah. Pretty sure it happens later with the actual fucking giant skin man, monster man, spider. Yeah. It's the only projectile weapon the party has. So. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> The party regroups just as the lights start to flicker in the locker room. Billy's veins begin to blacken. He roars and hulks out. At the hospital, the lights also start to flicker. Mrs. Driscoll's veins begin to blacken just like Billy's, and she also starts to hulk out and roar. Nancy presses the button for a nurse, and that should definitely help. <laughs> Can everyone just please calm down? Please, <laughs> calm. Is everybody yelling? Please use our words. <laughs> We're just roaring like... <laughs> come on why didn't the kids run when billy was busy becoming a werewolf <laughs> like and dragging his feet yeah that was oh i hate that oh that scene is so weird i think that was improvised i feel like i remember reading how that. do you even do that i don't know how i mean you don't see his arms so he could have He's, like anchored himself mm, to the, the bench sauna chair yeah. yes and then just positioned his feet in such a way to drag them up Ooh, it's so eerie to watch his, like it looks like he's being lifted like by lycanthropy i think i know that word <laughs> it means to become oh, aware right. like it's yes. like you're a lycanthrope yes, 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 yeah yes. 
Yeah, that's it, it really feel it's very like animalistic. Mm-hmm. Um very true. But yeah, he starts to do I mean, he takes like a good, I don't know, 15 20 seconds to to do all that and they're just kind of standing there. They did lock themselves in there with him. They are idiots, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they did do that, didn't they? They locked themselves yeah. in there with him. How were they going to get out? I guess L How did they lock themselves in there? L L's mind, I guess. True. Yeah. So that they're not really That's locked true. in yeah, there. Yeah, she can get them out. It's almost like we saw her use that magic magic power <laughs> on the padlock earlier yeah. in this this chapter to help us understand that they didn't actually lock themselves in the True. Perhaps. Locker room. Digressions. Yeah. Billy starts to ram himself into the sauna door, attempting to break free. With one final roar, he slams his way through, breaking the metal chain that was holding him captive. And for a split second, Billy stares at the party, looking sweaty and feral. But Eleven quickly pins him against the wall with a barbell. At the hospital, Mrs. Driscoll continues to sing the song of her people at the same time. (laughs) Billy overpowers Eleven, pushing the barbell off of himself. He grabs Elle by the hair and begins to strangle her. She struggles against him, slowly choking as the lights continue to flicker wildly. Mike approaches Billy from behind, hitting him with a metal pole and causing him to release Elle. Just as he goes to attack Mike, Billy begins to ascend into the air. Elle uses her last ounce of power to throw Billy through a literal brick wall and onto the grass outside. She collapses from exhaustion, caught by Mike. The party stares through the gaping hole in the wall as Billy flees into the woods. I just want to know which hair gel from the early 2000s Billy is using to scrunch his hair. It's beautiful. It is perfectly scrunched. Yeah, those curls are like the most gorgeous little ringlets. <laughs> Wet and wild. Right? I know that hair Ultra is sticky as hell. mega, mega hold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like when Nancy's in the hospital looking at Mrs. Driscoll and she looks up at her, I feel like she's like saying help me with her eyes a little bit. Like hmm. her expression is like, like her, like she looks worried. I would be as well. I mean, right. Like, obviously, her (laughs) eyes are black, so you can't really tell anything from that. But, like, her eyebrows are kind of like, Yes, they're, like, furled. I see what you're saying. Or furrowed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think all of these people are there. They're in there somewhere. It's just how much of them is left. Sad. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but we have another crucifixion pose. We do. You're right. Mm Mm-hmm. With the barbell. Yes. And when she like lift, like when he's about to attack Mike Mm. and when she lifts him, his arms are out like the same Mm -hmm. way that Henry gets pushed up against the wall, the same way that the Demogorgon gets pushed up against the wall. Same pose. Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Wow. And Billy also, we see him when, when, when he first enters the sauna, when he finds the cpr dummy for some reason he like goes to strangle the dummy i don't know if you like he picks him up like in a chokehold he picks l up in the same way that he picks up the cpr dummy yeah okay when when he breaks out of the wall and like lands outside it briefly looks like he gets up on all fours you know like like he's an animal yes and and like you know i have like a further thought about this i just think it's like, I'm very curious about the feral nature of the way that he's flayed. It's, like, very animalistic. Mm-hmm. And, and Will was not like that. No, you're right. They're displ- Like, Will was almost... I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to say stoic. It's not a stoicism. Sorry, it's my dog. But, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It's, like, Will was, like, a calm... Yeah, strictly almost business. Almost like a v- 
strictly business. And, you know, the bigger question is, if this is Henry really calling the shots here, then I'm extra confused because Henry's a person. <laughs> so, like, like, it almost makes sense to think of it as, you know, it's just the mind flayer who is kind of animalistic himself and acting on instinct and stuff. But when you think Henry might be behind it, it's, like, very weird. Maybe there's a marrying of characteristics. So, like, Billy is kind of animalistic just as Billy. That's very true. So when you give him some mind flare, the product is what we see versus someone like Will. Like, I don't think Heather. Heather. I don't think she would be this way when she's just you know like will very calm even tempered ordinarily when he's possessed he's the same but maybe a little bit more true and billy is just naturally very aggressive so yeah but it is i really like to think of like the differences between will's flaying and billy's flaying but it's also billy was attacked by a physical creature true will was not will was attacked by like a really dusty cloud (laughs) so it's like there's just a difference there too yeah that's true there's a tentacle sucking process happening with these people that didn't happen to will in the same way it's different i guess i think i answered our question from earlier on whether the meat monster is sucking something out or injecting something he's injecting something because that's what he does to will he's injecting himself yeah he's injecting materials (laughs) <laughs> injecting materials yeah that's that's what the wiki said <laughs> i have to watch that sucking yeah whether whether again. it's going forward and back hi daddy okay. <laughs> <laughs> my god <laughs> anyway in the basement of the steel mill billy and heather convene he confirms to heather that the girl was the one who attacked and nearly killed him billy tells heather that the girl knows who he is now and his identity is compromised but Heather assures him that she doesn't know about us. Us, as in the army of Flayed that are having a potluck in the basement of Brimborn Steelworks <laughs> in a powdery blue haze to the soundtrack of We'll Meet Again by Vera Lynn. The end. Yeah. Billy expressing fear that they're found out. Mm-hmm. That feels a little Henry to me. I agree. It feels like human mm-hmm. or vulnerable. I feel like the mind flare would almost be too proud to like admit fear you know or almost emboldened by it yes you know whereas we get this very like oh no mm-hmm. she's found out where that's like a like a concern that i wouldn't expect of the mind flare either yeah i agree so i wanted to give a little historic tidbit on the song mm. Ooh. so the song we'll meet again by vera lynn it came out in 1939 and fun fact, it is the first song to use a nova chord, which is an instrument that looks like a piano, but is actually a polyphonic synthesizer. Oh, 1939? Yeah. Remember polyphonic ringtones? Yes. Yeah. That's, well, you know, it's a similar musical concept. Another fun fact, only 1,069, nice, of these instruments were ever made between 1939 and 1942 very cool it's a tiny window i know yeah there's only a thousand of them i don't know if they're still out there and another thing about this song is that it has appeared in a wild amount of media over the years so here are some examples the final episode of the colbert report featured this song the show gravity falls 
the song Vera by Pink Floyd references this song. Oh, mm-hmm. fun. The video game Far Cry 5 features this song. And very interestingly, this song plays on a loop at the end of the ride Tower of Terror in many Disney locations, which we mentioned earlier in this episode. <laughs> right? You have goosebumps. <laughs> That's on purpose. It's got to be, right? That's on purpose. There's no way that that elevator dropped like the Tower of Terror and then that song is played on a loop in the Tower of Terror. Right. I know. I thought that that was so interesting. That is the best. I forgot that I read that. Like I I read it on the Wikipedia page and I didn't even write it down. And then when we got to that scene, I was like, oh my God, I have to write this down. (laughs) Yes. That's amazing. That is a hundred percent. Right? That's not just, that's real. That's so cool. Guys, this one's the real one. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. That's, that's legit. There's no shot. That is too much like the Tower of Terror. Right? That elevator drop. (laughs) I know. So cool. And if you're not familiar with the Tower of Terror, (laughs) just in case you don't know, uh, it is a ride at, I think, pretty much every Disney location. Um, But I I think it originated at Disney World in Florida. And it's in Hollywood Studios. And it is basically supposed to be a haunted hotel with a giant elevator shaft that just free falls, just drops. um, And it's like haunted. And, you know, it's cute and themed and everything. And I have never set foot on it because I think it would kill me. I am so enthused by this. Right? Ooh. This is like... Guys, we are not Disney adults. We would just like to say once again. (laughs) (laughs) One more... (laughs) I am once again asking. (laughs) You to never refer to us as Disney adults. Wow, that is... That is... That is chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. All right. You ready to get into our MVP? Bitchin'. Okay. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Who did you put? I put Michael Vincent Wheeler. I did too. Yay! I think that Mike formulated the plan to trap Billy. He also saved Elle's life Mm -hmm. again. These two just keep trading off doing this for each other. He also told Max to get away from the door. Yeah, he protected her. He protected her. And I also liked that when they were like having that discussion outside of the pool, like we can just wait around and we can see if he's the host. Mike's like, no, what if he hurts someone or kills someone? I just think he felt like himself in this chapter. I agree. This was like pure Michael Vincent Wheeler. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever that is. (laughs) And I also appreciate that he puts his pride aside about him and Elle's breakup and the fact that Max is, you know, in his brain, like, corrupting her. Yes. And he makes sure that they were clued into the situation to keep them safe. Yes. I love that, too. Yeah. Like, he could have been like, nah, Max, stay near the door. Yeah. You're fucking up my relationship. <laughs> right. Not that that would ever happen. But yes. Yeah. He's a good boy. Uh, Michael. Yay. MVW. I'm proud of Mike because, yeah, he was definitely being a little shithead at the beginning of the season, but he's coming around. Yeah. Now we need Hopper to yeah. redeem himself. He's, he's almost there. He's working on it. He is. I like his little, like, you want to come work for me at the Hawkins I know. PD? That was pretty cute. Like, he fell fully in hi love daddy. in that moment. <laughs> no, stop it. No more hi, daddy. Stop. <laughs> Infinite. Uh, okay. How about LVP? Losers? What losers? So I gave a tie LVP. Ooh, okay. To Nancy and Jonathan. Okay. Okay. Jancy is on the shit list in this chapter. Yeah. I don't like how they treated each other. 
Tom is an absolute asshole. They were both still very professionally out of line. Speaking to both of their autonomies, they were professionally out of line. And I don't like the jabs that they took at each other. I know that they were in the heat of the moment, but I don't think they tried to see the angle that the other one was coming from during that conversation. So, Jancy, see you in the flayed. <laughs> I kind of had enough of you. I kind of had a little bit of a tie, too. I I originally put Klein because I felt like... Yeah, he's just fine. Um, I originally felt like everyone kind of was great in this episode and like it's hard for me to want to give lvp to people who are flayed because it's like not their fault (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not their fault so i said klein originally and i wrote for his corruption with a k klein (laughs) (laughs) don't know why i did that and i also put jonathan because as i mentioned earlier i really think he needed to take a little bit of a step back from his argument and I agree I think Nancy definitely handled it very poorly as well but I really don't like that he kind of reinforced these insecurities that Nancy already has yeah not only about their relationship but just like as herself as a person when he's like what did you think you were going to be star reporter in a month like that's that's really hurtful to say to somebody Mm -hmm. whose dream is to be a journalist so true so I really struggled with Jonathan in this episode he was really being kind of a fuck (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. And, and like, in the next episode, he kind of is, too, like, briefly. <laughs> but we'll get there. But, yeah, Klein and Jonathan are both on my shit list for this episode. All right. Well, at least we agreed on two. Yeah, two of our three. Two of <laughs> for our some three, reason. two categories, superlatives. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, let's get over to everyone's favorite segment, Mall Rat Moments. That's totally against the rules. I make my own rules. Do you want to take this one or do you want me to take this one? <laughs> we can, we, I'll start. We can trade off. Um, okay. So from what I remember of this story, you and I were, I think, at the tail end of a sleepover, if I'm remembering. Yes, I was like overstaying my welcome. Yeah, which we both house. did at each other's houses all the time. Yeah. We, we, would, like, we would do what Elle and Max are doing, like go back and forth between houses. Yes. yes. Like, we would do that, like, tandem sleepovers. And, yeah, I think it was the morning after we had had a sleepover at my house. And for some, I mean, not for some reason. I think every, like, teenager did this in in the early 2000s. We recorded everything. Yes. We just had a camera rolling for no reason. Like, I don't know if we thought we were, like, vloggers and we didn't upload our stuff anywhere Baking breakfast. yeah like we we didn't upload this stuff anywhere we didn't do anything with it we just were recording it. and <laughs> we say as we record hours of ourselves we talking are. about stranger things that's so funny it's come full circle and so on this particular morning we had set up a digital camera <laughs> recording um and we stuck it like in the cabinet at my aunt's house in the kitchen and we were like recording this morning vlog of us just like being dumb and and toasting bagels <laughs> in making breakfast yeah in in the toaster and it was a toaster oven not a toaster that is important and (laughs) so we didn't notice that we put the bagels in (laughs) way too close to the heating element in the toaster oven (laughs) and we're just like casually recording like we're waiting for our bagels to be done like dancing i think we're making eggs i don't don't know what we were doing (laughs) and by the way we're like 14 like we're we're like pretty yeah somewhere around there and suddenly in the video and i wish we still had this video 
I'm sure I have it on my external hard oh, drive. Oh god, that would be a gem. But I, for, I forget which one of us noticed it first. You. It was, you were like, something's burning. Something's burning. Yeah. <laughs> and, something's burning. And we caught on camera, both of us realizing that we had accidentally set my aunt's toaster oven on fire in the kitchen. <laughs> the bagel had a flame on it. Like it was fully on fire. Like, this bagel was on fire. <laughs> Just like Alicia Keys, this bagel was on fire. <laughs> Something's burning. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how I said it. And yeah, we caught that whole thing on video and it is hilarious. And <coughs> it would be amazing if we could find that. And I don't think anyone ever knew that we did that. I don't think my aunt ever no. found out that we almost set her house on fire. We kept that a, a well-kept secret. We I don't even remember how we put it out. It might've just gone out. I've, I don't know why I feel like I remember one of us reaching into the toaster <laughs> oven to take out the bagel while it was on fire, but I could be misremembering. That, we would know if I could get the, the video. I would love to see the evidence of what happened. Oh God, you're going to make me take out my my external Ooh. hard drive. Yes, I'm sure there's a lot of relics on there. Oh God. So anyway, that's our well right moment for this week. Nothing, nothing wild. Very but, tame. But, you know, we were just some silly gals. <laughs> <laughs> still are we still are clearly uh, oh man all right well that does it for our two hour episode oh my god wait i have shout outs oh we have shout outs just kidding it's gonna be long i have two just hours. two <laughs> i just have two i just wanted to shout out landon on instagram because he left us the sweetest comment today because we promoted the death of small town america episode and i wanted to shout this out because I'm really glad that people seem to like our little in-between episodes that we've decided to incorporate into this podcast. Because I think we took a risk yeah. with that when we thought of this whole idea. We were like, let's do some history. Let's do some science. Let's do all these in-between things. And I hope that you guys are liking them. And it seems like you are. I love that. Yeah. And I also wanted to shout out Tara, who DM'd us and pointed out that Steve is a Swifty. Yes. Yes, he is. Yep. And that made Amanda very happy. It does. It makes me very happy. I think I think he would be really into Evermore and folklore. I just I see him as a moody little guy. See it. You know. There you go. <laughs> I could have killed you with that lamp. <laughs> anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening to what is maybe our longest episode so far. No. Hooray. <laughs> okay. Anyway, till next time, everybody. Stay strange. Hi, Daddy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Wheeler.